It was a busy day for the Atlanta Hawks on trade deadline day here on this Thursday, although no real blockbusters for Atlanta. John Collins sticking around, Bogdan Donovich sticking around, and the Hawks do have a pretty high-profile new name in Sadiq Bay. We'll get into all of what transpired, what the Hawks did on the margins, the draft picks going the other way, and all that fun stuff and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1409 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Thursday afternoon in emergency podcast fashion. The deadline has come and gone for the entire NBA world, and that, of course, includes the Atlanta Hawks. And at the end, John Collins sticking around in Atlanta. Bogdan Madonovich sticking around in Atlanta as well. Uh, the Hawks did make two prominent moves on this Thursday. Obviously not headline grabbers that wasn't quite the same as like the Kyrie move or the Kevin Durant move that happened overnight. But the Hawks were active. They improved their roster as a broad takeaway um, for, for this particular transaction cycle. The Hawks are better now than they were three or four hours ago. There is really no debating that whatsoever. The price of that, however, was a lot of second round draft pick capital going out the door. I know a lot of fans don't really care about that, and I do understand that for sure. The Hawks did pay a price to do this, and they also saved some money in the end to stay under the luxury tax, which I've been telling you since the summer. If you listen to this podcast, the Hawks were never going to go into the tax this year, and they're not doing that. And that's not surprising in any way, shape, or form. But they did improve the roster with Sadiq Bey. They got better on the margins. And uh, that's sort of the small cliffs notes of what transpired on this day. We'll start at the top with uh, the guys who are not leaving. Because, you know, there were moves that could have happened where the Hawks would have probably had me start this deal, start this podcast off by what the Hawks acquired. But instead, I'll just focus on the fact that, in particular, John Collins has been in every cycle for about three years with regard to trades. And he's still on the roster. Uh, I'm not shocked by that at all. I've uh, you know kind of gone back and forth between like 35% and 65% of Collins being moved or not moved in the last few months. Um, I changed my mind even this morning. Like once the Kevin Durant thing happened overnight, which by the way, changed the entire landscape of the trade market when Durant got traded at like 1 a.m. about an hour and a half after a recorder with Robbie Calland last night. Uh, I thought it was more likely actually after that that Collins would get moved because there were just more options on the table than there were previously. Um, but in the end, the Hawks as I've been saying really, really the entire time, the Hawks do not want to get worse. And that is the headliner here for me on top of everything else is that Atlanta, you know, this moves, these moves that they did actually do, did do today with Sadiq Bay, et cetera, Garrison Matthews, Bruno Fernando, they operated as a team that was trying to improve now, not take a step back. And yes, they're 500 this year. They're not having this, this great season, but I had been hearing for a long time at the Hawks, if they were going to do anything, we're going to try to improve the roster, not make the roster worse. And, as I've said a million times as well, it was very, very hard. In fact, I still have not seen a deal proposed to, proposed in, even in fake trade or fashion or rumored fashion for Collins that would have made the team better now. Um, maybe there were deals that would have made the team slightly less bad than others, but you know, Collins is a really good player. And I know I'm higher on him than most, but he went a very big loss for the Hawks to send him out. And that was, for me, the driving force. Obviously, there are some teams that don't love the money. I get that. It's not like a bargain contract. I'm more of the mind that the Collins deal is totally fine. It's not this huge negative albatross. But if you're trying to move a guy, 
then the other team has to see that guy as a good value. And the Hawks, again, wanted players back that were going to help them win now. And that complicates matters. So, uh, yes, you know, Collins um, is a pro. He'll show up and be uh, and, and be dialed in. He always plays hard. I'm, I'm sure he's been, uh, you know, one foot out the door at various points in the last two years thinking it was going to happen this time around. But he was at shoot-around today, talked about it, just kind of trying to tune up the noise, and that's going to be happening. You know, the Hawks play a game, as I record this, in about four hours. So uh, he'll be on the floor in that game, I presume. Same with Bogey. Bogey has a player option for next year. He has some interest. I heard some things that were talked about that I can't really report on necessarily, but you know, the Hawks got calls all day long on Collins and on Bogey. And those guys stuck around and honestly, they helped the team win. You know, Bogey's not having this great season, but he's a very valuable player. And uh, the Hawks are keeping this core in place for at least for another, you know, five, six months until the summer and uh, some chances to overhaul the roster at that point in time. So that's probably the biggest thing. And then we'll lead with the uh, the trade that was more more actively buying that the Hawks did on this day, which was acquiring Sadiq Bay. Now, I will give this caveat at the top of the podcast. I'm trying to record this as fast as possible um, in an effort to go go cover the game tonight. So I don't have every single thing buttoned up when it comes to details and announcements. Like, for instance, it's 3.35 p.m. Eastern time. The Hawks have not announced any of these deals. The trade calls have to be made, um, all that stuff. So there's a little bit of you know, risk here and that, and I'm going to hedge everything with, with reported at this point in time. Just keep that in mind as I'm recording this podcast that the desk is not quite settled after the deadline, but um, I can tell you this, no other moves were made. So here we are. Um, but yeah, this is a multi-team tra- transaction. Sadiq Bey has been playing with the Pistons that's being drafted in 2020. He is coming to Atlanta for the reported price of five second round draft picks. That's a lot of second round draft picks. And as I said before at the top of the podcast, I know there's a large fan segment that does not care about that. I do understand. And look, I've ranted and raved about the Hawks selling picks for a long time. They've done that way too many times on a wrestler. And the Hawks have a terrible second round draft pick track record. The last time the Hawks had a good second round pick was basically you know a decade ago. They've been really bad at this for a long time. And if you want to look, view it through that lens, I do understand saying, look, the Hawks never use these picks for anything good. They, all, they, all they're going to do is sell them. Go ahead and trade them now. I don't mind that as a thought process. It's a little bit simplistic for me. I think still... Um, just the way that I would put this is like, I don't think Sadiq Bey is worth quote unquote five second round picks, but if you have, it's, it's kind of the price that had to be paid. The Hawks have to send anything out in the trade and we'll get into more about what Bay brings to the table, but it kind of depends on how you feel about this deal. Number one is obviously how you feel about Sadiq Bay. But number two is like, do you care about second round draft picks? And if the answer is no, you probably like this deal. If you do care a little bit, it's like, all right. And I kind of land in the middle somewhere because I think that if, if this had been two picks, three, even three second round picks, they're like, all right, that's appropriate price. They paid a lot of second round picks for Sadiq Bay, who's a totally fine player. And the big thing is he is cheap for now, which I think is part of this transaction. Bay makes less than $3 million for this season and about $4.5 million for next year. And then he becomes a free agent at the end of that contract. He's in the same class draft-wise as a Kongwu. So if you think about it that way, a Kongwu and Bay will be restricted at the same time if they are offered qualifying offers, and they probably will be at this point in time. And because Bay doesn't make a lot of money, the Hawks didn't have to send anything out in that transaction as far as a player is concerned. The Hawks had two trade exceptions, one from the more Harkless trade, one from the Kevin Herter trade that were big enough to take in Bay's contract and not say anything out. Now they did add some money there, but as we'll come back to in a second, the other deal they did with the Rockets took that money away and the Hawks actually saved money on the whole today. As for Bay himself, he's 23 years old, played at Villanova. He was a mid first round pick in that 2020 class. Um, 
a decent shooter for sure. Uh, six, seven forward, basically and kind of a stocky guy. Um, I've, I've seen some people reacting to this as like, it was like, you know, they have this overload on the wing. Now I think Bay, the way that I put it is he's more of a four than a three. I think he's mostly a three. It's probably his position, but there's this notion out there. I don't know why that he's like a two and he's, he's really not, he's definitely more of a combo forward. He's played about a quarter of his minutes in the NBA as a small ball four. Uh, he's not huge as for, for a four, but I think with the Hawks, he'll be playing the three and the four. That's where he probably should play. And, as a shooter, he's a pretty good shooter at the four. He's more average-ish at the three. Um, 36% career for three-point range. He's definitely a willing shooter and has always been a solid shooter going, going back to college. Um, not a very good passer, a very low assist guy. Um, the, the comparisons stat-wise to DeAndre Hunter are pretty obvious, actually, in a lot of ways. Bay's been a better rebounder than Hunter has been, but both guys are low assist total guys for sure. And uh, not a whole lot defensively, playmaking-wise, for either one of them as well. Hunter's a better player, just keep that in mind, but kind of similar structurally in terms of their stat sheet stuff. Um, very low turnover guy, which is probably good for you. He's gotten to the rim more offensively this year by the numbers. That's a good thing, but he's always been a very poor finisher around the rim. Sadiq Bey is a career 45.5% shooter inside the arc. That's a very, very bad number for someone who is 6'7", 6'8", and more of a, uh, obviously a small forward type player. So he's definitely more of a three-point shooter. He likes to take long twos as well, kind of like kind of like Hunter in that way too. He's a very willing shooter. He likes to get his shots up. I don't know how he's, how he's going to take to a very small role. And, and you know, crucially, Bay's been on, on nothing but bad teams in Detroit. And I wonder how he'll sort of fit in, um, not in a bad way. I just, I just wonder how it's going to look with him being on a team that is obviously constructed to win now. He's not going to be starting for this team by any means, and he'll be a support player. But I wonder how that's going to look offensively. But he's a below 6% shooter at the rim for his career. That's a really tough number for a player his size. So offensively, he's definitely more of a scorer. And I, I think the Hawks will probably use him more as a spot-up shooter. He's a better shooter than Jalen Johnson, for instance, and, and that sort of backup forward role. And uh, we'll get into all that sort of impact later on about Jalen and all that, how that's all, all going to stack up. But you don't pay five picks for a guy who's not going to play. So I assume Sadiq Bay will be in the rotation sooner rather than later. And uh, he's uh, definitely not a perfect player. He has some strengths and weaknesses. I think that he's probably better suited for bench role, which is what he's going to be in with the Hawks. He's not a starter in my mind. But he's a rotation player in the NBA. He's a proven guy who's played in the league. He has uh, he has some good strengths. He's been a decent scorer with the Pistons, decent shooter as well. Um, defensively, it's kind of a mixed bag. If you, if you want to be um, generous, you would say that he's been in some pretty rough ecosystems defensively with the Pistons. The Pistons have been pretty bad defensively the last few years. It's not, it's not really his fault. But the numbers and the advanced metrics are very bad for Bay defensively. He's in the 15th percentile in EPM on defense this year. That's obviously not what you want to be. He's outside the top 200 in defensive Raptor this season. He's a very low block and steal rate guy. He's more of a you know one-on-one -on -one defender than a help guy, not a habit creator. I don't think he's necessarily going to be terrible defensively, but I think that he's not a plus right now anyway. He could be. He could be. You know, he's pretty stocky. He's got some physical tools defensively, but I don't really see him as being as an above-average defender at the very least. So you're hoping for just some plug-and-play stuff on the wing there. And this is what I'm going back to a little bit more about the five, about the five picks going out is that Sadiq Bay for me is like an eighth, ninth man on a good team, and that's fine. That's a very useful player, and the Hawks definitely. Don't get me wrong. The Hawks definitely improved their depth. And I've been preaching all year long that the Hawks needed depth. And the, the Hawks definitely added depth today. They made the roster better. And Bay is the most prominent example of that. So I'm not, I'm not crapping on it by any means. But he's not going to change your life a ton. And I think that they paid a hefty price for that. But he is cheap. Um, I don't know about extension talks. You know, he like a Kongwu, they, they actually could extend Sadiq Bay at the end of the season. I'd be surprised if they wanted to do that at any sort of hefty number. 
but he's a very useful player, and uh, we'll see how he fits in in the near future. I'll obviously have more on Sadiq Bay down the line, I promise you, but that's sort of the quick synopsis for now of that first deal. And after a quick break here from our sponsors, I'll talk about the second deal the Hawks did today with the Rockets and sort of the overall fallout. But first, a word from those sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by Rocket Money, and the average person has around 12 paid subscriptions. Think about that. If you think that you only subscribe to a handful of services, you might want to actually rethink that and check it out. And with Rocket Money, you can quickly identify and cancel all of your unwanted subscriptions in one place. Rocket Money, which is formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels those unwanted subscriptions, monitors spending, and also helps you to lower your bills all in one place. More than 80% of people have subscriptions that they actually don't remember or just like a stream service that you've bought or forgot about or a free trial that you never actually use. And Rocket Money will help you identify those subscriptions and they'll actually help you to stop paying for the ones that you don't really want. All you have to do is find the subscription and actually press cancel and Rocket Money will do the rest for you. No more lengthy hold times, customer services, or have an email back and forth with people. Rocket Money makes it easy at, the, at just a one click of a button. And over 3 million people have used Rocket Money and the average person saves up to $720 a year. $720 per year. That's a lot of money saved. And I'm one of those people, honestly. Rocket Money is huge in helping me manage all my subscriptions. And I have a million different things that I have to uh, sort of justify and juggle in the uh, sports world, reading things, watching things, um, all the research that I do. And uh, having Rocket Money at the helm is very, very helpful through that lens. And you can re- use Rocket Money right now. Stop throwing your money away. Cancel subscriptions that you don't want. And they manage your expenses as well the easy way. And you can do it all by going going to rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. One more time, the place to go is rocketmoney.com slash locked on NBA. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel, and the only app that you need this year at Super Bowl Party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're very excited about FanDuel as a new sports betting partner for the Locked On Podcast Network. And if you're new to the party with FanDuel, that is even better for you. They have tons of great features that make sports betting both fun and easy. You can download FanDuel right now and bet on Super Bowl this weekend with a no-sweat first bet. Get the $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win on FanDuel. They have all kinds of betting options. That includes money lines and point spreads and totals and tons and tons of player props and all that fun stuff on the big game this weekend and this projects to be an awesome matchup between the Chiefs and the Eagles as well a close point spread perhaps a high scoring game lots of star power with Patrick Mahomes Jalen Hurts etc and uh, the best place to find all of the stuff you're looking for is at FanDuel the app is safe secure and easy to use and best of all you get your winnings paid out instantly at FanDuel join FanDuel right now today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on the Super Bowl that is FanDuel.com slash locked on make every moment more with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NFL all right, so we talked about Sadiq Bay and all the transaction stuff that happened there, but these moves are kind of a package deal, particularly with the money. And the second of them is a deal with the Rockets that sends Justin Holiday and Frank Kaminsky, two of the veterans on the Hawks roster. Holiday is the uh, oldest player on the roster, but two guys who are not playing very much, if at all. And then also two second round picks in the deal. Um, Kelly Eco of The Athletic reported that the picks are actually from OKC. It's a 2024 and 2025 second round picks from the Thunder. So pretty decent picks, actually. Um, Hawks diehards might remember this, but if you didn't, I will remind you, those picks actually came from the Dennis Schroeder, Carmelo Anthony transaction. That used to be a first round pick that was lottery protected, but it converted to, to two seconds because the Thunder never, never made the playoffs. So uh, that's sort of a, just a throwback to a few years ago. But by my count, and as, as long as the reporting is correct, and again, all the caveats that I gave before about all of the final, finalized details are not quite done yet. But if all the reporting stands, the Hawks will have traded seven second round picks today. And they enter the day with 14 uh, over the next seven years. That's kind of the cycle of NBA picks. Like you, you can only look seven years in advance. So the Hawks basically had two per season over two years, oh, sorry, over seven years. And now they traded half of them in one day. And that includes the two picks from the Thunder. Um, in addition to those picks, though, they're getting Garrison Matthews and old friend Bruno Fernando. So 
Uh, what the Hawks are sending out here, again, is a multiple implication kind of thing here. The big thing is they needed to save money. In order to do the Bay trade um, and take money in while not going into the tax, the Hawks had to send money out. And uh, well, we, I, I shouldn't say had to. By their own standards, the Hawks refused, as I've been reporting since the summer of last year, they refused to go into the tax. That was never going to happen by their standards. And that is part of the price of this. So Holiday makes about $6.3 million and Kaminsky makes about $1.8 million. Garrison Matthews makes $2 million this year, plus a non-guarantee for next year and then a team option for two years from now. That's actually a pretty valuable contract in my mind. Um, Bruno Fernando is $2.7 million this year and then a non-guaranteed deal for three additional seasons. He signed a kind of a kind of a hickey special deal with the Rockets. So um, in total, the Hawks save $3.4 million on just the holiday Matthews Fernando transaction that more than offsets the cost of Sadiq Bay. So in the end, between the two deals, the Hawks save about $450 under the tax, $450,000, I should say, under the tax. And that leaves the Hawks when you factor in some of the incentive stuff. I am projecting the Hawks to be about $1.6 million under the luxury tax right now. It could be closer than that if um, Murray or Capella gets uh, gets more uh, incentive money, but that's the projection at this point in time. So the Hawks are under, they're not way under, but they're not like tiny bit under either. They're kind of comfortably under the tax, which I think is definitely part of this transaction cycle. Um, on the court, obviously we know that Justin and Frank were not playing very much at all. I think Justin Holiday is not as bad as Hawks fans think that he is, but he obviously fell out of the rotation, rightly so. And I think that uh, he was uh, he was very obvious salary matching fodder. I talked about that with Andrew Kelly earlier this week. I expected Justin to probably be traded, and he was. Um, so there's that. Uh, Kaminsky is on the minimum this year. It didn't go very well defensively. It was a disaster most of the time, um, and he's not going to be there anymore either. But what they add here is more depth now. Matthews and Fernando are not as prominent or as, you know, centerpiece like as Sidney Bay, but they do actually improve the depth of the roster, particularly with Matthews. So he's 26 years old, shooting guard, probably only he's like six, five, um, probably a below average defender, but a decent athlete for six, five um, plays hard, good shooter. Uh, 34% this year from three is actually a career worst, but 37% for his career over four seasons. He's a very willing shooter. That's a big thing for the Hawks is that he's an actual guy that has to be guarded. He has attempted more than 10 threes per hundred possessions in his career. That's a very, very good number. And the Hawks need to win more shooter on this roster. Now, will there be nights where he doesn't play? Absolutely. But I think Garrison Matthews is just as an example, better than the Hawks deep bench guys. Like if you get an injury or a night off to bogey, you can plug Garrison Matthews in there and he's fine. I think he's, you know, he's as good as Aaron holiday, maybe a little bit better in some respects, um, better than, you know, the, the other guy, you know, Vic Krejci, Tyrese Martin types, he gives them more depth and another shooter. And that's not a small thing. And he's also has a pretty cheap, good contract moving forward. Bruno is obviously familiar to Hawks fans, a former second round pick by the Hawks. He's having his best defensive season this year in Houston. I will say he's been playing in a very different approach uh, slash scheme in with the Rockets than he has with the Hawks. Um, I'm not sure how he's going to fit with the Hawks defense. He's been kind of, it's kind of was the problem going back when he was here is that he didn't kind of fit into what they were running on defense. But in the end, Bruno, as much as I like Bruno is kind of just in the Kaminsky role. It's a very different player, but he's not going to play unless the Hawks get probably two injuries. I think if the Hawks get an injury to Clint, they will probably just play Collins at the five um, in addition to Kongwu. Uh, same thing with the Kongwu. But if you get two injuries, then you kind of have to, you kind of have to play Frank uh, in the previous iterations. And now it's going to be Bruno in that role. And he's fine. I think Bruno is probably better than Frank Kaminsky uh, on offense. Probably not, but defensively he is better. Obviously a lot, a lot more physically gifted, better rebounder, et cetera, than Kaminsky. So a small upgrade probably there. And then Bruno also has that team friendly deal. 
Um, if he proves to be a backup center worthy player, having that guy on that deal is very valuable. And if not, you can move, you can move on without much pain, kind of like it was in the, in the previous iteration. So I don't mind that at all. And you kind of just, again, add to your deep, deeper bench with Matthews in particular, and then also Bruno in that third center role. So I've said a lot of things. I'll just say this now. Overall, the Hawks did pay a lot. No question about that. Um, I understand the pushback to that. You know, people don't care about second round picks. The Hawks, in my mind, if you separate these transactions out, I think the Hawks probably overpaid in both of them. I don't, I don't think Bay was worth, quote unquote, worth five picks. I don't think the right to acquire Matthews and Fernando was, was probably worth two second round picks. In, in particular, those, those OKC picks, those are pretty decent picks. But does that actually matter a ton? Not even I would say that. So value-wise, I don't love it. I do understand that's. I think I think it's probably just, it's probably an overpay. And uh, this is a first-time front office that probably could have negotiated a little bit better on those deals. But the more important thing for fans, I would imagine, and also just for this year's reality, is that the Hawks are better now than they were a few hours ago. I was always on the side of I wouldn't want to trade John Collins unless the right deal approached me, and that deal never came in my mind. So having John still on the roster is a plus. Having Bogey on the roster, he helps you. Um, adding Sadiq Bay to your bench helps your depth. Garrison Matthews helps your depth. Bruno versus Frank, even if you don't, even if you're not a big Bruno guy, he's probably as good or better than Frank Kaminsky. So the roster is deeper and better than it was a few hours ago. Did the Hawks make a big swing? No. Did the Hawks make a roster move today that's going to change their fortunes and like make them a top four seed in the East? I don't think so. But they are deeper, and that was one of my primary complaints about this season was that they were not deep enough. And uh, hilariously, they were able to do that while also still saving money, which I think is part of this. And um, the frustration that I would have as a Hawks fan, and I could just pass that along to you know people. I can't put I can't put myself necessarily in a pure fan mode anymore. But if I was a Hawks fan, I'd be frustrated by the, by the lack of spending. I've said that a lot, but I know I probably have some listeners today that I wouldn't normally have. I think the Hawks should be spending more. I think the Herder trade was bad. I think the DeLon Wright letting him go was not a good transaction. All that stuff. But they did improve the team today. So there's something to be said for that. And the Hawks are in a better position now than they were a few hours ago. So, you know, they took on some money for next year, actually, which is interesting. We'll have much more on that in the future. But the Hawks actually are now well into the tax for next season if Bogey were to opt in to his deal. So that, that's something to keep an eye on um, in the future. We'll have much more on that in the, in the future. Also, uh, last thing here that I want to address before I get out of here is that, you know, the Hawks were in the mix for some other stuff. Brooklyn was calling. Um, Cleveland was maybe calling at one point. Milwaukee, uh, we got um, the, the Crowder thing kind of happened. Then the Hawks were maybe attached to that at one point. Anyway, Matisse Teibel was kind of out there for the Hawks, but they, they didn't do any of that stuff. But the last thing, I got a lot of questions on this, is how this affects, in particular, A.J. Griffin and Jalen Johnson. I don't think this is going to impact Griffin a lot. Um, I, I think Bay. I think of Bay personally as more of a three-four than a two-three, um, and I think Griffin has gotten to the point where he is pretty fully entrenched in the Hawks rotation. Is he going to play as much as Hawks fans want him to this year? Probably not. Now that Bogey's still there, and they add another guy in Sadiq Bay, but I think that AJ is going to play. Uh, if I had to guess, we're all still guessing now. It's too early to really know, but I wouldn't be too worried about AJ not playing. The bigger concern, if you are Hawk, if you're if you're a Hawks fan, is worried about the future and development, is Jalen Johnson. Uh, I don't know that the Hawks are going to bury Jalen Johnson, but as we've seen, Nate McMillan has been willing to overlook Jalen in the recent past. Like there, there, have been, there have been games in the last month or two where Jalen's just gotten DNPs while healthy. And now you're adding Sadiq Bey to the mix. And, you know, they're very different players, but they also kind of overlap and that Sadiq Bey might play some back, back, the backup four minutes. You might see more Hunter and Bay lineups together playing at three or four. That might happen too. So that could negatively impact Jalen's uh, standing in terms of his playing time on a nightly basis when everyone is healthy. 
course, you get one injury, one guy resting, and Jalen's back in there. But um, I do get that. That's an that's a legitimate concern. I, I think that I would be hoping beyond hope as a future facing person that the Hawks would not bury Jalen. I think he's been playing well recently and you want to see what he's got. He's got a lot of upside, a lot of talent, a lot of length, athleticism, um, his passing, all that stuff is very useful to the Hawks. It's just going to be interesting to see how Nate McMillan kind of juggles this rotation because now uh, for the first time all year, the Hawks have 10 real guys and that has not been the case. And even then you're 11 and 12 are now Aaron holiday, Sorry, your 11 through 13 is now Aaron Holiday, Garrison Matthews, and Bruno in some order. And that's a lot better than their 11 through 13 uh, previously. So they've upgraded there, but they have a real 10. And I think that I'd be trying to play all 10 most nights, if not all nights. And uh, we'll see how that all impacts in the future. But the Hawks will be playing a game pretty soon. So I have to wrap this podcast up. I'll have more probably on the details if we get some of the official announcements between now and late tonight. I will have a new podcast again covering Hawks Suns this evening. And just as a note, the Suns made lots of transactions. So they're going to be pretty shorthanded, I think, uh, for tonight's game. The Hawks will be favored in that one, according to our friends at FanDuel. So stay tuned for all of that. Thanks for listening, everybody. I do appreciate it. Please subscribe to the podcast across podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We're also on YouTube. Follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. I appreciate all the support. It's been a busy day. We'll have more in just a few hours, so stay tuned, and we'll see you next time.